yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Big Tech Podcast in association with Vodafone Business. Introducing Vodafone SD-WAN, an intelligent network for business that supports a truly digital workplace. Hello and you welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week we're talking about phones, flagship releases, what's to come, folding phones, super camera phones and everything in between. I'm delighted to be joined um, on the line by Chris Hall, the editor of PocketLint.com. That's pocket-lint.com which many of you will probably know. It's a very good site uh, if you want to look up um, anything to do with phones or gadgets. And, and Chris goes to an awful lot of the uh, the launches around Europe. Chris, you're very welcome to the podcast. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. And we also have Mark Kavanagh, who's the Senior Assistant Editor at The Star and Digital Editor at Buzz.e. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Adrian. Good to be here. And a big thanks as well to Vodafone for sponsoring this podcast. So let's start with some of the big stories of the last week or two and I know Chris you've had a chance to play around with Samsung's folding Galaxy Flip Z or Z as I have what do you make of it? Um, Well I was very excited about it as soon as I got my hands on it because I was one of those people who had a razor back in the day and obviously the folding phone is something that I still fondly remember back from when these phones were in their infancy. Mm-hmm. So it was a great return. And I think Samsung has done a really good job with the design and the execution of this phone. But I did find that I had some reservations about it, especially around the display and the durability of the display. And I think this might be a problem that comes up as people have these devices for a little longer than a week that we normally get to play with them. Yeah, you noticed an issue specific, as you wrote about this, you noticed an issue with the the, the display. Uh, What was that issue? Yeah, well, one of the things that I found was that I could see some sort of rippling in the panel actually underneath the display surface. So Mm. there's been a lot of talk about the ultra-thin glass display, which it turns out isn't really very much glass and has a plastic layer over the top of it. Mm. For me, that part of it was fine, but underneath that, I could see that there was some disruption to the display in a couple of areas on the phone. And I think those areas were exactly where my thumbs go when I'm playing games. Uh. And that sort of suggests to me that although the, the display looks great and it works exactly as it should, that 
if you put pressure in certain areas, mm. then you may be able to cause the fabric underneath the actual panel, the actual flexible OLED panel underneath. Well, um, that's so very, I, I, yeah. I, I have taken this to Samsung, and I, and, I, and I am waiting for them to come back. Apparently, they have sent my phone over to Korea, and their guys are looking at it over there, and hopefully they'll come back with some sort of answer about what's happening. Well, that's very interesting, because Samsung does guide, I think, uh, maybe within the box itself. I can't remember when, when I opened the box whether that notice was there. But they do guide that you do have to be a little bit more careful with this display than with other displays. They, I think they're fairly upfront in saying that this isn't as robust a display as some of its other phones. Like it's not waterproof, for example. And the, and the point that you make about it being... A kind of a, it's almost like plastic, isn't it? Because it's a very thin layer of glass with a with a with a a little bit of plastic uh, uh, on top. It does feel pretty decent when you're using it. It's not like, for example, the the new uh, Motorola Razor, which is very plasticky. Um, but that's really interesting that you feel that the imprints or the issue was where you were playing games, where you may be likely to put most pressure on the display. Yeah, and and although I wasn't. I wasn't abusing it. I wasn't using the phone in any way that would be unnatural. Like I, di I didn't try and damage it, but still this damage still appeared. So it, it may be that some people never encounter this. If they are casual users or they're just scrolling through content and tapping around, they may never see it. But if you're a gamer putting pressure in a particular place, even if it's just light pressure, then mm. it could be an issue. One thing, Mark, that I found about the, the Flip Z was that it does have this element of fun and delight, which if you, you, like me, you get a lot of phones to review. And while we wax lyrical about some of them, from a design point of view, they're all pretty much, they look very, very similar. They're big black hard slabs, whereas this is something, as Chris has said, that a lot of people are interested in, they look forward to. I, I had more people come up to me and ask for, quote, a go, unquote, of the of the folding phone, even Gavin here at the at the the sound desk saying, "Did you bring the, the folding phone in?" No, of course we only got it for twenty four hours or forty eight hours or whatever it was. Um, and th it does have that going for it, doesn't it? The form factor is is the big selling point. What disappointed me about the phone, I haven't had it long enough to uh, to to work out about the mm. the durability, but the actual tech in the phone for something that's fifteen hundred twenty yeah. euro in yep. Ireland. More it's expensive than the S20, S20 Ultra, Ultra, which we'll talk about. Yeah, and it's got basically, in some respects, last year's tech. It's got mm. last year's chipset. It hasn't even got a well, triple. It hasn't an, even got a chip triple camera. Let, let's let's nerd out for ten seconds. I mean, it has a Snapdragon eight fifty five plus, which. That's pretty good. I mean, it's not the 865 that the the absolute top of the line phones have, but it's pretty decent. It's eight gigabytes around. That's two fifty six of storage. But if you compare it and its price point of fifteen hundred and twenty euro mm. to the OnePlus Eight, which is coming soon, and that's going to have this year's chipset, and it's going to have a triple, maybe a quad but it camera, doesn't fold, and it's going to be five hundred and ninety nine. Doesn't euro. fold. It's a big black slab. The, fo um, the form factor I was very excited about at yeah. the at the launch event in London. All of the tech journalists rushed straight to the to folding, the folding phone, not to the S20 I mean, Ultra. I, I didn't think, Chris, that I would like this this much because I wasn't actually nostalgic for the old folding phones much. Although, But as I started to use it more, I did really start um, to like it more, uh, despite the fact that there's no 5G. The battery life on it was only okay, I found. Um, it was a desperate fingerprint, fingerprint magnet as well. Yeah, I think um, I think what it comes down to is is 
whether you're happy to accept the compromises that come with it. It's, it is a change. And as you've been saying, it's not just a black slab. So it does look different and everybody will want to play with it all the time. So mm. if you want to stand out, then it does that. There's the argument that, of course, you can fold it in half and put it in your pocket and it takes up less space. But I haven't had any problems putting a phone in my pocket, really. Mm. And I'm not sure that anybody who has a bag and carries a phone in a bag has actually had any problems. So... It was very apparent to me that Samsung were launching this with a fashion focus and they're probably going to be trying to sell this to fashion conscious people. Mm. So some of the geeks like me, having played with it and enjoyed it, will probably move on and say, no, actually, the black slab has a lot of things that I like. So mm. I'm probably going to stick with that. The one feature I did find incredibly practical was that when you're making if you want to look at something, or maybe if you want to even make a video call, you can actually sit it by itself, you know, folded, because it's a stiff hinge. So it, when you fold it slightly, maybe 45 degrees, you can literally just sit it on a table and the screen sits up and you can watch whatever you want to watch or, or make a call or yeah, or whatever. I found that was That's useful. what I loved about it as yeah. well. I thought that had plenty of potential. The, the one thing I regretted slightly, even though... I know why you can't do it is you can't really sort of flip it out like a Star Trek uh, a communicator, which I know it would have been kind of cool, you know. Yeah, that's true. You got to you got to use both hands a lot of the time with it. Yeah, although you made the point in your piece, Chris, that you can actually, and I found this, but you can actually open it with a hand. You just lodge your your thumb in there. Yeah, you you can. It depends how big your hands are, really. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, the, it wasn't the only folding phone uh, launch. This week we saw the Huawei Mate XS, a completely different beast. And I do use the word beast because it's absolutely massive. I had a brief play uh, with it, posted a, a few videos uh, on it. And um, this is 2,500 euro. It's an 8-inch tablet square, almost square, uh, when folded out. It's 6.7-inch uh, front screen with a 6.3-inch rear screen. Um, did you get a go of that, Chris? I sadly haven't. Um, mm. I saw the, the previous version, which is very, very similar. Mm. Um, but the new version, I haven't. I didn't actually get the chance to uh, play with that myself. Yeah. Mark, Mark, I saw you at the launch. We were messing around with it. What were your first impressions? Yeah, I, yeah it's very impressive. It's very impressive. I mean, when it's folded over, it's it's a nice size. It's got 21.9 aspect ratio when it's when it's folded. Open out, I don't know. I didn't get the chance to uh, to look at movie content on mm. the big square. I mean, how did, did, did you play with it? Uh, it was mainly just what what so I find this phone to be slightly impractical in some ways. In that, unlike the Flip Z, which folds over, it naturally protects itself. For example, this is a screen which folds the other way, so that you, when it's when it's when it's folded out, it effectively has two screens, two glass screens. Now you might say that's fine. I normally have a black slab. Um, in my in my pocket, it has a screen that's exposed. What's the difference? Because you've got two screens exposed. Um, but what I found most interesting about it is when you fold it out into that big 8-inch form factor, the articles that you're reading, if you're reading an article, it typically expands to meet the screen, and it makes it a much better reading experience, a much easier reading experience if you are seated somewhere in a train, a bus, a plane, uh, something uh, like that. Um but uh, it, it was kind of hard to assess in, in the time that we had. One thing I did find that I, was not apparent when you're just messing with a few hours, it is no Google Play Store. 
It is no Google Play Store. Yeah, they, you can, you can still access all of your Google services from oh, a browser. It's not the same. From a browser, it is not the um, same. In terms of bells and whistles, which I was given out about the uh, the Z Flip for not having mm. the the Huawei certainly has everything you might want. It's got probably a better spec than any other smartphone they have on the market at the moment. Um, the chipset that, that, that Huawei has, yeah, the chipset, not the quite. So the cameras aren't quite as good, I think. But uh, uh, as, as far as I know, sorry, Chris, did you have something to say about that? Um, well, my biggest concern is that is the amount of damage that will probably is potentially there for that screen that is wrapping around the outside. Mm. I played with the the Galaxy Fold last year, and obviously that folds. It's the same sort of slim folding out into a tablet, but that has, has its display on the inside. Mm. So when it's folded up, it's protected. So I agree with you that when you open it out and you sit and you're reading something, or say when you are sitting down, then it is unmatched. And that was the point with the Galaxy Fold, especially I found I'd sit on the sofa, start looking at something, and then you just sort of fall into the content and mm. you just think, this is amazing. Mm. Um, and, and Huawei is going to be offering that similar sort of experience, but I do worry how much the back of it is going to get scratched up when you put it down on a yeah. table. You know, How much damage is it going to attract just by going into your pocket? You're going to have to keep it in a case all the time, I think. And Huawei, because I was being a bit of a pain in the ass at the press uh, launch. Actually, I kept asking them about the lack of the Play Store and what, what they were going to do. And they were making the point that they have their own app gallery. That's what their sort of formative yeah. app store is called. And they're making the point that they're working with m many of the vendors. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that convinced at this point. Uh, maybe they will overcome that. Do you have a view on that? They have a lot of work to do here because we kind of we've seen this this story arc before, and mm. you'll remember that uh, the iPhone launched and and it brought along all these apps, and everyone said you need to have all the apps. And Google took a while to catch up, and then there was sort of parity between the two platforms. But then in the background, at the same time, you had BlackBerry and Windows Phone or Windows Mobile trying to do the same thing. And the biggest criticisms of those platforms were that they didn't have the apps. Mm. Huawei says it's investing a lot of time and effort and money to support developers. The advantage that they have is that they're still running their phones on a basic Android platform. Yeah. So to convert those apps should be relatively simple. Mm. The question is whether the app developers are going to be willing to do that, whether they're going to want to do that, whether they see Huawei as important enough. Mm. Because... Huawei has huge presence in, in China, for example. That's a huge market for them. Mm. But a lot of the apps that they're running there are homegrown apps. If you've got a small app developer in Europe or in the US who doesn't really have much exposure to Huawei anyway, they may be unwilling to make those transformations. They may see it as unnecessary. And that could be a barrier in any of Huawei's plans to expand around the rest of the globe. I mean, more specifically to your point, it's American app. So you'd say Huawei has massive market share in China and Asia. It has zero market share in the US where all of these apps are made. Yeah, and I think the way that, I mean, this whole, the way that this whole trade ban came up and all of that stuff about Huawei being labeled as a security risk in the US, that is probably going to make any kind of penetration into the US market very, very difficult because... Mm -hmm. Anybody in the U.S. is just going to look at it and say, well, I'm constantly being told Huawei's a risk, so I'll yeah. just go with another brand. It's interesting um, to go off topic just for one minute. We had the uh, very senior White House advisor, 
came over to Dublin last week and held an audience with two or three of us to give us a briefing on how awful Huawei was, essentially. And then we didn't let him away. We said, well, what about, you know, the, the US and its own... Um, I suppose paradoxical position on this, uh, and uh, but th there's absolutely no question that the Americans are full pelt on this mission to to try and um, poo poo Huawei. And so far in in Europe and and in the UK, indeed, it's met with very limited uh, success. I know the UK has taken a position where it's only allowing limited access to. Um, vendors like like Huawei, but essentially that is still access to, to the network. But anyway, that's way off point. Um, I want to move to the Samsung's Galaxy S20 Ultra. Now, I have this sitting in front of me. I've been messing with it for the last few days, and I am a camera nerd, so I that is the first thing I will judge this phone on. I have to say, so far, it's bloody incredible, I have to say. Any views? Um, I haven't played with it for as long as yourself, but uh, yeah, it looked very impressive. And, and from a from a geeky tech point of view, that's the phone that you want to try out of the four mm. that that Samsung launched because the specs are just out of this world. Yeah, Chris. I worry that it's too much of a big spec play, and I think that Samsung has to do a lot of work to justify that position. So. I'll be interested to hear what you think is working really well on the phone. Sure. And, no. and how that stacks up against the massive specs that they're putting on the sheets. Okay, so in one regard, I so I'll preface this by saying I think they have hopelessly over-egged one particular spec on this phone, which I'll come to in a second. But I'll talk about what I like about it. Okay, in the camera, its, it's camera sensor size is roughly twice the size of most other camera phones as far as i can tell from the specs that, that that i can read now to me that is apparent in the tests so i spent the weekend in a very stormy remote part of northwest uh, ireland called belmullet and there was a storm there and i had the p30 pro Huawei p30 pro the uh, iphone 11 pro max and the samsung s20 ultra and i pitted all three of them uh, against each other i sat in the same spot took the same uh, video the same photographs at the same focal lengths with the same zooms there was absolutely no question that when it came for example to the video zoom which is a 20x um, maximum video zoom on the S20 Ultra. There's a 15x on the P30 Pro and much lower on the uh, on the iPhone 11 Pro. The S20 uh, the S20 Ultra was just better. I mean, it was clearer. It was it was it, there was no not really much comparison between the two. Where I found the comparison broke down, or where Samsung has overegged their specs is this idea of a 100x photo zoom, which is just <laughs> nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I took it up to, up to about 35, 40, 45x. It was absolutely usable. The photographs were absolutely usable, especially in good light. After 50, 60x, they were mushy, blurry, pixelated, couldn't use them. So I've, and that was in good light. So I have no idea why Samsung felt this irresistible urge, maybe it's for marketing purposes, to go to 100x. However, that being said, the camera on this, from what I can tell right now, um, blows most other ca uh, uh, cameras away. I mean, they have a one, it has a 108 megapixel mode, which you have to manually select. But when you take a normal photo in that mode, it is absolutely astonishing how much, how closely in you can crop and the details that you can pick up. 
Um, and I, I mean, I'm a veteran like yourself. I remember, like the two of you actually, I remember the old Nokia phones, the Lumia phones, which, you know, claimed to have these 40 and 50 megapixel uh, camera uh, sensors. And they were decent, but they were, they were nothing compared to this. The only weakness compared to, for example, the iPhone 11 that I found is the stabilization in the video. So I, I will often do a, an impromptu run test along the street outside our offices here in Talbot Street. Not a good idea with a high-end uh, uh, smartphone, by the way, in, in our neck of the woods. But the stabilization on the iPhone 11 is clearly better in video for video than on this Samsung S20 Ultra. But for everything else, this is better. Yeah, I saw your video yesterday and I was mm. a little bit disappointed with that because I thought on the Note 10, they'd pretty much nailed that stabilization mm. on a par with what Apple had done last year. So mm. um, yeah, that test was, was was disappointing. What were the specs that you were wondering about? What, how did, is, what, is what I have described as what I think Samsung has over Does that match what, what you found, Chris? Well, the the hundred time zoom thing is definitely overstated. I went out today, and I live quite near the Thames, and I set up with a tripod, and y you you still don't get a usable image. I mean, mm. trying to take those pictures handheld is just mush at a hundred times. Putting it on a tripod means you eliminate some of the wobble, but still the tiniest movement. Mm. is will be shaking around for a long time so you have to select 100 100 times and then wait for that for the motion to stop from where you've touched the screen to change the mode and then when you take the picture you still don't really have anything usable at the end of it so i completely agree with you that the 100 times zoom i think is just boasting because other people have said 50 times and mm. one of the other interesting points that i've picked up over the past 48 hours is that there isn't currently a big zoom smartphone that's available to the u.s market right. so i suspect that samsung is trying to capture the u.s market and 100 times zoom is a big part of their marketing to say it doesn't matter that you can't get this oppo or huawei mm. phone out in the u.s because samsung has you covered so i think that's probably a big part of it but the other question that i have really is why there is such a difference in approach between the s20 plus and the s trend and s20 ultra because, as you said, this one has the 108 megapixel sensor. It's a bigger sen sensor size, but it has to combine pixels mm. to uh, to then bring you back down to a 12 megapixel photo. Whereas on the other phones, the S20 and the S20 Plus, they have, again, used a large sensor, but they're using a 12 megapixel sensor, mm. which has much larger native pixels. And these two seem to be completely different approaches that we see in smartphone photography at the moment. One is... Keep the keep the megapixels to a respectable number, but make them larger. And the other yeah. one is just cram in more megapixels, but then combine them. So two different philosophies coming in the same family of phones. That doesn't really seem to make sense to me. Does and it? that, again, makes me think that it's a specs play mm. rather than being about necessarily about trying to get the best results. So that's a little bit confusing. They've, all, they've also taken a different approach with regards to the 8K video, which I'm sure you have a lot to say about, Adrian. Um, the 8K on the S20 and the S20 Plus is done through the telephoto lens, mm. which is a 64 megapixel. And on the S20 Ultra, it's done through the wide-angle lens. And apparently that's why it's 108 megapixel, or that's one of the reasons I was given at the launch for, for it being so good. It means if you're shooting 8K video on the two less expensive phones, you're getting a really heavy crop. Can I ask... In what circumstances would you want to shoot 8K video? I, if I was going to 
to the trouble of shooting 8K video, I probably wouldn't want to do it on a smartphone. That's 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 for sure. Um, maybe one of those new Canon cameras that was announced last week. But so short of being a professional videographer who needed to spend an hour and a half in a video editing suite afterwards to maybe to pick out details. Why? Why? I know. Sorry, I'm going to. You can hear the skeptical tone, so I'm just going to put that to one side. Why? Why might you want to? to um, just for the fun of it and the fact that you can do it, I suppose. Um, if I if I was shooting the footage for you know for in any way storing it for you know memories down the line or future proofing it, um, I'd probably do it on something other than the phone. But the fact that you can do this on a phone, mm. I do think is something to be excited about. I, I would concede that its its uses are limited. Yeah, Chris, I. I'm known for being a bit of curmudgeon on this issue, but am I wrong? Are there good, maybe potential future-proofing reasons to film in 8K? I would... Yeah, I'm a little bit sceptical of that as well, because what usually what happens is when they introduce these new res resolutions into a device, there are so many compromises that, that come with it that you'd be better off shooting good 4K right now and archiving that rather than archiving what is probably bad 8K because two, three, four years in the future, 8K, is, they're probably going to have a lot more technology within the phone that will deliver the 8K performance that people want. I mean, 8K is right at its infancy at the moment. There's very few people with 8K TVs, but it is something that Samsung is working very hard to push. And in terms of their creation story, it comes from your Samsung phone and into your Samsung TV. You know, that works very nicely within Samsung ecosystem. But outside of that, you could put it on YouTube, but I don't have an 8K monitor Um it's it is it's a it's a sort of first step, and at the moment I would probably avoid it just because it's so compromised. You know, it's going to take up a lot of storage and everything else. So yeah, not to mention the yeah, the files are absolutely huge. But you see, the, the way I'm coming at this 8K debate is uh, this is fundamentally different, I think, from the skip from standard definition to HD ready, then full HD, you know, 1080i, 1080p, and then even to 4K in that in those in most of those instances, there was a noticeable upgrade in image quality visible to ordinary size screens, whether they were regular monitors, phones, well, phones at the time weren't big enough to, to, to see it, but laptops, for example, even TVs, going from 4K to 8K, to the visible eye, like forget about future proof now for one second, but let's say that you, you know, you wanted to film something in the best possible resolution. How are you getting better resolution in 8K than, than 4K or even 1080p if, you know, for, for all intents and purposes? I think there is a big difference between 4K and, 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 1080p. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Let's say con we'll concede that uh, just for the, for the purposes of the argument between 4K and 8K. What, how can you, how can you, how can you discern any quality difference? Um, well, you'd have to ask yourself, why do videographers shoot all their footage in, in 8K? I suppose if you were, if you were doing it I don't know many who do, but I, I think some who do, do it so that they can crop in and it gives yeah. them more editing possibilities. Yeah, for the, for the average Joe Sob, especially footage, footage shot on a smartphone, you're not going to have many options for, for viewing it. Uh, not many mm. of us have 8K TVs. Um, 8K TVs, you can tell the difference between 8K and 4K, but... Can I you? Mean, I can't, honestly. And I, I literally just bought a 58-inch um, 4K HDR TV, which obviously I can't see watch 8K on. But the difference there between 4K and 
1080p is noticeable. I, I can t I can tell the difference, but if you were to show me something with a high with a decent frame rate in HDR and 1080p on that TV as big as it is, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't be bothered. I wouldn't be bothered by it. Um, so I'm just wondering, have we are we reach are we pushing the natural limit as to what's actually useful? Chris, do you have any view on that? I th I think being slightly cynical, I think that with TVs, people are always going to want to sell TVs, so they need to have something to sell you. And a few years ago, we had the reintroduction of 3D, and that didn't last for very long because people didn't want anything like that. Mm. TVs are getting bigger, and the argument that I hear most often from TV companies is that as the screens are getting bigger and people are buying bigger sizes, you're going to need more resolution for the, for those people because their their rooms aren't getting any bigger. They're putting bigger screens into the same size rooms, so they're effectively sitting closer to their TV. You, so you need the resolution. Otherwise, you know, if you if you're going to buy yourself a hundred inch TV mm -hmm. and take up your whole wall with it, then you're going to need a higher resolution. Otherwise, everything is going to look bad. Okay, so let's park this debate, and I'll come back to criticizing 16K maybe when uh, when we're moving to, to that standard. Um, <laughs> briefly, I just want, before we go, briefly just want to mention some of the things that we might see in the next few months. Uh, Google may release a Pixel 4a phone um, in the near future. I know, Chris, uh, uh, Pocket Lint was uh, looking at this. I personally was slightly disappointed with some of the specifications on the Pixel 4 and particularly the, the, the 4 XL, particularly the, the battery life. I know, Mark, you had a different view. You liked some, particularly you liked that 90 hertz screen display. Um, are we expecting anything big, Chris, do you think, from the Pixel 4a? I think it's going to be another play towards better value for money. The key thing here is the getting the Pixel camera at a price because effectively you get the same sort of performance as you do from the big phones, but you're paying half the money for them. So, mm. We spent the whole. We spent the last twenty minutes talking about cameras, and the Pixel has always been simple in its approach to cameras, but mm. very, very good. The Pixel 4a potentially, as long as it gets launched, and I believe that it will, then I think it will be an updated, more affordable, great uh, camera phone. Hmm. Okay. What are you hoping? Yeah, Mark? I think I think I think that's 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 what you will get with it. The three A was a great value. I mean, towards the end of last year, you could pick up the three A and the three A XL for like three fifty, three hundred, even in Ireland. I mean, at that price point, it's astounding value for what you're getting. There's absolutely no question about it. I am still absolutely gobsmacked that Google launched the the four and four XL without a, an ultra wide camera. Um, I, I just couldn't believe it. It do, yeah, it does. I mean, they've they've got access to to data that we don't have uh, in terms of what people upload to Google Photos. So maybe you know, maybe they know more about what people yeah, but like. People to, are uploading to, to Google Photos from phones that they already have. The ultra wides have only really been around for a year, a year and a half. Um, the other thing is, I, I do wonder whether Google actually sells many phones. I'm not sure if we have much visibility on that. It certainly wouldn't be a top. Yes, yeah, a strange one. We did discuss that at Christmas. Where I mean, the, the four. A, or the sorry, the four XL mm. was so, so close to being the perfect smartphone. You just kind of wonder why they didn't go all out to make it the perfect smartphone or the perfect mm. Android the smartphone. Hammer makes its uh, its its uh, reappearance. And finally, uh, Chris, the One Plus Eight Pro. Mark's a big One Plus uh, fan. I think they're fine. They're they're usually very good value. The, the raw specs in them are usually excellent. And looking at some of the. Um, 
the specs that are touted for this uh, OnePlus 8 Pro, um, top of the line chipset, 12 gigabytes of RAM, 256 storage, 120 hertz to dis uh, display to match the the S20 uh, uh, series. Um, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, I mean OnePlus have had some very successful years. Obviously, growing up from 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 nothing essentially and creating themselves as a brand, um, the the OnePlus Eight and OnePlus Eight Pro are going to be very exciting. There's also the talk of a light model that they may be launching alongside this, perhaps going back into the mid range as well. Um, it, they have been talking about the display a lot. They've been talking about the 120 hertz display, mm. about being able to use that at full resolution. Again, they have to make sure that this really delivers a noticeable difference because they've put a lot of time and effort into pushing the display. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Mark. How did you feel about the, the, the Samsung 120 hertz? Because it's not always on, in fact. No, it doesn't you, seem to there's be on a compromise there in that you, if you want to use the full resolution of the screen, you can't use the 120 hertz. You can use the 120 hertz, I think, at full HD mm. resolution on the screen. Now, I... I ended up just using the the sixty hertz as a default, but I did that as a battery uh, thing as much as anything else. Um, I do love the idea of ninety hertz and one hundred twenty hertz screens. It it is definitely um, a, a, an advantage. I just do feel that maybe there might be battery compromise if I was to keep that on uh, the whole time. I am looking forward to this. The only downside to OnePlus from my perspective is as good as impressive and particularly at the price point as the the handsets are they're always half a beat behind on their cameras the cameras are perfectly good they're really really decent but they're never quite as good as some of the cameras on the the flagship rivals at the time and i end up getting totally suckered by that i i'm i will pay another 250 euro or 300 euro or more for the best available cameras at the time. So that's my own my only It is one there. of those sticks that they allow people to beat them with and wireless charging is another and then mm. the, the waterproof uh, rating is another. Um, I, I'm told by people in the in the London office that the uh, the cameras are going to be a, a big focus on the 8 and the 8 Pro, so okay. fingers crossed. All right, okay. Um, Chris, I should mention uh, just before we go, you, you guys have a very good newsletter that I uh, subscribe to. I think Stuart, Stuart Hall uh, writes it, or maybe Stuart it's yourself. Miles. Yeah, Stuart yeah. Miles. Uh, sorry, it's just Stuart Hall. Yeah, uh, Chris Hall. Uh, Stuart Miles. Yeah, it's, uh, and what, so it's pocket, dash lint.com um how do That's i subscribe right. to the newsletter do i uh... if you just head over to the site you will be greeted with a with a small pop-up in the corner that will invite you to subscribe okay and that's the easiest way to get it Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming uh, on the call with us today. And thanks also to thank Mark Kavanagh. Nice to talk to you, Chris. Um, yep. And uh, you. we will be back at the same time next week. And again, a shout out to Vodafone. Uh, thank you for sponsoring this podcast. So for me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, bye-bye for now. The Big Tech Podcast in association with Vodafone Business. Transforming your network infrastructure with Vodafone SD-WAN.